agency owners, it's time for a new episode of the Agency Blueprint, the number one podcast for agency owners looking to discover strategies for scaling an agency to seven figures and beyond, while reducing stress and getting your personal life back. I'm your host, Robert Patton, international bestselling author, agency scale partner, and founder of Creative Agency Success. Before we get started today, I'd like to invite you to join our free Facebook group, The Creative Agency Clique. We live stream weekly trainings on tactics that will help you simplify and scale your agency. Go to creativeagencysuccess.com forward slash FP to join. And now for the show. So I wonder if you've ever had this experience where you're meeting with someone, an employee of a company that you're working with, and they get the information that you're asking for, but at the end, you can kind of see them squirm a little bit with sort of discomfort of them recognizing that there's a potential for an upsell or a potential to actually have you make a purchase of an additional service that that company offers, but they don't actually end up asking because of that level of discomfort that they have. So let's take a moment now and think about this for your agency. Have you really empowered your non-sales team or your creative team, the ones that's working with your clients on a day-to-day basis to be able to sell more and actually help clients really truly engage with them? Darren, I imagine working with agencies every day, you probably experience something similar, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, what I've noticed is, is I know that creatives kind of have some adversity when it, or they have adverse feelings when it feels like they're selling. They have like a, a fear of sales and they're un- uncomfortable with it. They think that they have to be like some slick guy, hair jet black, painted black, and then like an oversized suit and, and feel a little sleazy to, to get somebody to sell something when it's it's the total opposite of that, right? More so, they feel like they have to be pushy, right? And, 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 and pushy is bad. So their fear of not knowing how to be able to close hard or, or being able to, to have that well-crafted response for when objections or, or what they feel like is rejection is coming can actually work to their advantage, right? So when we come to sales, it's especially in a role and when you're actually working with clients more so, right? You actually know their needs and you know how to address it. And, and being that you're actually doing the work, you probably have the, the best insider knowledge of like how to, or what they actually need. And it may be a service that you provide. It's like, you see the client is going down X path. They want to hit a Y goal. You actually can give the insight of like, Hey, like I've worked with you for one year. And I know, I feel like we could be able to, 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 maneuver or give this additional service that will actually help you hit your goals faster or actually help you hit certain key metrics that you're looking to hit without having to, to be that pushy is more so of a teachable more so of coming from an advisory standpoint and you have that trust with the client because a you've been working with them for a while and b you actually know what you're talking about and you're coming from a place of this is actually what you do day to day and you're able to give them that insight that they're looking for ultimately i 100 agree there's a ton of built-in rapport already with those individuals, right? You already have the authority, especially with clients that you're working with, you've produced results, they're already working with you, you know them. I mean, and quite frankly, I think that it's a bit of a, of a moral imperative. The idea behind this, right, is that let, let's take it in, you are, let's say a, a chemist, for example, and you end up in your basement of your house, end up finding a cure to cancer accidentally. And you have sort of two options. You can call the local hospital or you can call a pharmaceutical company and be like, hey, I don't know what I've just done, but I think I've just cured cancer. I'm seeing this type of response with cancer cells. Are you interested in having a conversation about it? I mean, businesses don't have cancer, right? Their cancer is lead gen 
their marketing, their branding, the services that you're helping cure. And the on the flip side, that person, that chemist could just hold on to the invention that they had and keep it silent, recognizing, ultimately speaking, that they should be sharing it because it could save people's lives and actually cure that cancer for you, actually helping them cure their business woes and being able to actually help them. So you, your team has built-in authority, built-in respect, a relationship already with this client, and it's a moral imperative for you to help your clients achieve their goals and offering the services that you do well, that you're best in class at to being able to do that. And 100% will echo the concept around people believing sales needing to be this pushy thing. I 100% disagree that there's, there are salespeople that do that, right? I'm not going to claim that I haven't encountered pushy salespeople. There definitely are. And the reason why we all feel like we don't want to be that person is the immediate response to someone being that pushy salesperson is guards up, right? We as human beings have a natural response to not wanting to be sold. And so then you have to tear down that wall, but your team doesn't actually need to do that. In fact, if they're not being that, that pushy salesperson, actually just offering advice, offering solutions to what that client needs, then ultimately you're helping them. You don't need to actually sell the sales already done assuming that it's actually going to help them and how you actually show them the path by which they're going to get it. I mean, my opinion overarching, right, is that as long as I understand it, as long as I know how it's going to help, I have trust in that individual that they're going to actually be able to help. Yeah, why wouldn't I buy? I understand the likelihood of accomplishment. I understand the risk associated with it. And I understand what the potential objective or what that that outcome that I'm looking for. And recognizing that in a sales conversation is so incredibly important. But now how do we apply this to the team now, right? And the people that have that ongoing relationships are understanding what's going on with that client every single day. The first step I would say is ultimately letting your team know that it's everyone's job to sell, right? It's, it's their job to actually advise, to consult, to essentially be prescriptive with that client and what it is that they are looking to accomplish and actually advising them, right? I mean, we, the industry talks on a constant basis about wanting to have a true partnership relationship with their clients, but yet we don't do that. In the sales conversation, even in ongoing relationships, we are not prescriptive. We are order takers. We're tactical. The client says what they want. And then we say, okay, here's the cost. Rather than saying, ah, that might not be your best form of investment. Here's actually what we see work typically better. And here's why. And actually making sure that your team is thinking about it. Here's a problem. We have a solution. And it's actually our moral imperative to do that. Right. And so one thing that I, I do want to piggyback off of or, or add some, a little insight into there as well is that the client doesn't know what they don't know, right? They don't know that you offer these services unless you tell them, or they don't know that this is going to help them get to their goal unless you tell them, right? And so being that you have the, the firsthand insight is going to allow you to, oh, you know what? Actually, this would probably help you more or reach your goal faster, right? And you also want to be sure that you you celebrate those successes of the non-sales team when they are able to generate more business for you, right? Just reinforce this in, into the culture of your team, whether it be, I know for for some companies, like they have like a sales gong or they they also incentivize them to, to continue with like maybe a, a small bonus or whatever it may be. But ultimately you're helping the client, which helps us. And it like it, it continues to help the business grow and thrive. 100%. The, the sort of other thing that 
was coming to mind while you were talking about is like the what and how is the best way of selling. So there's there's two truly powerful tools in a salesperson's toolbox. The first is actually challenging and showing the client what ultimately is the better route to action. It's actually consult consultative. It's showing them how they can actually get to where they want to go. And the second is around third-party selling, right? Or social proof is how it typically is re referred to and how you actually have those conversations. So having the team understand how to utilize existing clients, let's call them their favorites. So the ones that they've really enjoyed working with or the ones that have had tremendous results working with them and actually walking through, hey, you know, we were working with John last week and he had a very similar situation and here's the route that we actually took to solving this problem and this is what actually happened when actually executing on it and here's the results that they got and distilling fully essentially it's a verbal case study but recognizing that that is one of the most effective sales tools that your team can actually have and understanding how to utilize that in a meaningful fashion to allow for them to really be able to talk to them and there's there's no objection and potential objection. And actually, you can utilize this as a, an objection management tool, preempting objections as well. But I, I don't know that we need to train your team to be that good of salespeople. It's just actually having them talk through situational social proof situations, allowing for them to really understand how to utilize that truly meaningful situational information that allows for them to be able to help the client see the ability or the opportunity that they have with that particular service to be able to get them to that dream outcome. Right, right. Even as simple as bringing your team in on, on whether it be like a, a rap meeting, allowing them to to have that third party information that they're going to continue to sell. Like, so with the clients that they work with is like, hey, like I know that we did this service or this job for you, whether it be something simple like, oh, we did social media management for you and we were able to help increase your, your follower account by 100%, 200%, whatever it may be. So now that they have that that information, whether it be coming from their direct their direct projects or projects that are kind of ancillary to them. So whenever they get prompted in like a, a conversation or like when these situations come up, they're able to use that knowledge or that depth of knowledge that they, they have to, like you said, preemptively get those objections out the way. And it's more so a conversation as well. It's like people enjoy the information, right? I, like, it's just like, oh, like this is what I do. And this is kind of like how we help businesses that are similar to you, or, or this is what we do. And this is how we... Like in the past, we've we've helped XYZ client and they grew like 200 percent. It's more conversational. It's not like a like a, hey, give me your money. I need you to to, to, to buy because I, <laughs> my, my, my company is pushing it down my throat kind of thing. And I'm going to push it down your throat. You know what I'm saying? It's not like a, a forced nature. It's more so just kind of calm. It's more calming. And then, like I said, conversational at that point. 100 percent agree with that, that sales, ultimately speaking, should be more conversational. It's about mutual benefit. It's helping them solve their problems and actually offering them a service that helps them do that, right? And it should be conversational. Here's what we do. This is how it works. And whether you think it's going to help you or not, right? And here's how it works. And ultimately speaking, you're having a conversation like you do with your client every single day. So helping them solve the challenges that they're facing. The, the other thing that's really important here is understanding. So there's a mindset around this that's really important that if your team isn't equipped with this, it makes it very difficult for them to ultimately be able to be even spot sales opportunities. So actually starting to go through a little bit of a training with them on how they can actually recognize a potential sale conversation. And ultimately, it's not for them to close the opportunity. It's just for them to identify that it exists in the first place. 
and suggest to the client the potential solution for it. So let, let's talk about it from a, an actual practical application perspective. So let's say that we are having a conversation with a client and we're managing their social media at the moment, right? And one of the things mm-hmm. that the clients are bringing up in a meeting with them is, you know, hey, we, we are having issues with, with email right now. They're not really converting. And unfortunately, it's just dropped off the face of the planet for some reason. Our open rates and click-through rates are just completely catapulted and just not really sure what's going on. And we, in a lot of instances, we would offer some advice, maybe pull it up and actually talk to them about it. But recognizing ultimately that that is an opportunity, assuming that that's a service that you offer, that you can then have a conversation about demand gen, email marketing type conversation, copywriting to actually help them being able to improve the situation that they're currently in and ultimately be able to get that result that they were looking for from an email marketing perspective. So how do they actually have their sort of ears to the ground recognizing when an opportunity presents itself in the first place? So here's like some markers of what types of conversations would be coming up around the types of services that you offer that your team ultimately should be looking out for. Right, right. And especially if they they recognize that they have an issue, say like, say, yeah, hey, we're having trouble with our email marketing or our copywriting or whatever it may be. And they're bringing it up to you casually because like they 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 have that trust, there's that relationship with you, right? And they're ultimately going to look for a way to relieve that pain or relieve that problem. So you don't want them to to go outside and, and hire somebody else, another agency, when you have the capability to help them right there with you, right? 100% agree. Assuming that, again, it is something that you ultimately you do do. I'm not saying that you add on an additional service, and I really want right. to hit that very hard. Do not just add on a service because someone says that they're having a problem, and this is Don't go out of scope. <laughs> yeah, please. Like, don't go outside of your service vertical, what your zone of genius is. Like, it's just not something you should be doing. The other thing that I think is ultimately really important here is that in my experience, when it comes to sales, when I, my, my first, I don't even remember when my first sales call is anymore at this point, but my first sales call that I was ever involved with, I'm sure I sucked, right? Like I'm sure it went horribly. I bombed. I may have even made the sale, but I realistically speaking, am leaps and bounds better now than I was before. And recognizing that while you're having these aspects of conversations, you get better and better and better over time, right? But actually feeling comfortable doing it. And one of the ways that you can actually start to have them feel comfortable in a non-threatening type situation is actually starting to role play with your team and having some example conversations. So one of the things that we've done with clients in one like particular area that's really helpful in utilizing your team to actually elevate and actually identify some potential opportunities is say in the quarterly or monthly review on retainers or when a project is actually coming to a close is identifying what sort of the goals were, what potential improvements and some some strategies around being able to help them accomplish their goals and continue to work with them, but actually managing and actually defining that. So I've gone through some role-playing trainings with the team, the creative team to distill that conversation so that the team understands how to do that and actually went through some role-playing exercises with the wider team to help them understand how to do that and ultimately making them feel comfortable and doing that in the first place. Darren, I don't know what your experience is in actually having sales conversations and whether you, you've had the, felt the same way that you weren't as good to begin with and have gotten better over time, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, honestly, it's just about getting the reps up. I mean, I don't know, for people who play sports or, or people who, who work out at the gym, like you don't go to the gym and automatically lift 245 place at the end, like, right? You start off light and then you, you build your way up and you as you gain that muscle, it becomes something that, that you gain that muscle you gain that strength, right? So it's just like you 
ultimately will go through a ton of conversations where like you'll start seeing a pattern there there will be something over and over again like especially if you're you're in the same niche or if you're in the same same area right like people will start bringing up the same issues it's like oh i have trouble with legion oh i have trouble with this this is my pain point and you've had hundreds of conversations that are similar to the conversation that you're having now with them so you're like oh i can reference conversation 62a that i had with this customer and and utilize something similar right you can use that 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 depth of knowledge that experience that you've had over time um to present and it ultimately becomes like oh refining it over time little by little and and just getting better and doing those 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 little tweaks and and having those conversations with your team having those conversations and i ultimately think also watching film or listening to other conversations helps you be better at the sales process right so it's like i may explain social media marketing campaign one way however my teammate mark explains it another way and i think it's more efficient so let me go ahead and steal mark we're on the same team i can steal the way he says his things and try to implement it or indoctrinate it into my own process or like he explains how he we alleviate this pain point here let me try that you know just kind of figuring out what is going to be the the best formula to to ultimately get you the best results in your processes well, now I'm interested in listening to some of your sales conversations to see what you've stolen in the way that I've managed things. But I don't know if anyone else got lost when Darren was talking about reps at the gym, but I, I, I'm definitely not a gym nut. So I don't, I don't know how <laughs> you started talking about plates and I was like, up, oh, gone. I had no idea what you were saying anymore. But yeah, 100% agree that it's it's something that is you, you train yourself to do, right? Like you, you don't just get up on a bike and ultimately know how to ride that bike. You figure it out over time. And likely speaking, there's a couple of times you fell and that's okay. And you get back up, then you figure it out that I just want you to start looking at and for all of you listeners right now that have a team that are working with your clients on a day-to-day basis is how are you actually utilizing them? How are you prepping them to have these conversations with clients so that ultimately you can allow for you to leverage your existing client base to continue to grow? I mean, the vast majority of you, I would imagine, are looking to grow your business and how do you actually utilize the existing relationships that you have? Because there's a ton of revenue and growth opportunity in your existing relationships. And I want to help you be able to leverage that. Once again, thank you so much for carving out the time to hear what was shared on today's podcast. Now, chances are, if you're an agency owner listening to this podcast right now, then you may be feeling like this. Because I was finding myself constantly overworked within our business, um, constantly like too busy with fulfillment or too busy with uh, customer service needs. So I didn't have the time to go think about how am I going to close this person or what I'm going to say to this person or what am I going to do with this or what's the next strategy I need to do. Now, of course, this podcast is here to help you with a lot of things, but at one episode per week, it's going to take a while for us to share everything you need specifically for your situation. So if you're really serious about committing to fixing the problems in your agency now, so you can build a truly profitable business and get your life back, then I want to invite you to apply for the agency accelerator program. I'm not so stressed during calls thinking, oh my gosh, I got, I got to sell, I got to sell, I got to sell because if I don't sell, I don't make our I don't make our numbers, you know, and if I don't make our numbers, I can't pay our people. If I can't pay our people, then our business is down. This program is designed to help creative agency owners get to 1 million in revenue per year in 12 months or less. I char- typically charge one client a $3,000, anywhere from 2000 to 3000 Now I'm uh, moving towards only 5000 and up. And my latest client that I closed is a $10,000 client on a monthly retainer. We only accept about 20% of the agencies that apply to this program because we want to make sure that we only work with people who will commit the time, energy, and resources required to take what they learn in the program 
and use it to create an agency of their dreams. You've taught me and you've taught us how to build this within our company that if X happens, this happens, boom, 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 boom. Like it's so systematic that it's gonna work for itself. That has given me the sense of like, oh, I know what the heck I'm talking about. I know what I'm good at. I know that I can deliver upon what I want to deliver. And it, yeah, I gained hell of a lot of confidence for sure. So if that's you, then I want to invite you to apply today. Just hit the link in the show notes to apply for the Agency Accelerator program or go to creativeagencysuccess.com forward slash apply. Thanks, and I'll see you inside the program. Mm-hmm.